Hello, welcome to Workplace Wake Up. I'm Jen Shaw. Every week, I spend about 15 minutes covering legal developments, introducing you to interesting guests, and providing some entertainment to start your workday. I am so excited to be here today. We have a special guest. Jasmine Darren from our firm is joining us. Jasmine is the newest member of our team, and we are so excited to have her on board. So I asked her to be on the podcast. We were talking the other day about an issue for a client and this issue of personal relationships at work came up and she had some really interesting thoughts about it. And so I said, how about you come on the podcast? And she was happy to do it. So I'm thrilled. So Jasmine, first of all, um, welcome to the podcast. How's it going at the firm so far? It is going great. I am really enjoying my time here and, you know, just it's very busy. So it's really nice. (laughs) It's very busy. You know, we're a small firm. And so we only hire when we know we have enough work (laughs) for the next person. And unfortunately, or fortunately, I guess, depends on how you look at it. We always have enough work. So um, Jasmine, we know you had to hit the ground running and we appreciate everything going. Absolutely. I'm enjoying working with the team. Everybody's been so nice and welcoming. I'm so glad to hear that. So before we get started, Jasmine, I just wanted to recognize that this podcast is going to air on December 7th, which is Pearl Harbor Day. Obviously, a lot of folks sacrificed tremendously um, related to World War II. I know it was a long time ago, but it's something that I think about um, on Pearl Harbor Day, just in terms of the gratitude for what folks have done for this country. So I just wanted to take a moment to recognize that. Uh, Jasmine, let's talk a little bit about personal relationships. First of all, what kind of relationships are we talking about? I mean, you and I have a personal relationship, right? You know, we work together. I say good morning to you. You say good morning to me. We may have lunch in the conference room together. We talk about client issues. What, What kind of personal relationships can pose a bit of a challenge in the workplace? Right. That's a great question. And I think what we want to focus on is the intimate relationships. We're talking about those office romances. Okay. Now, nobody's supposed to do that, you know. Right. Well, I, it happens, right? I, I don't think that the employer can control those relation types of relationships developing. You're so right, Jasmine. And that's something that is really important I think for our listeners to remember, particularly in a state like California, where we have a constitutional privacy right, we can't dictate who people associate with. And I, the proper English, I suppose, is with whom people associate. But the idea here is they get to pick who they want to be friends with, who they want to be roommates with, who they want to date. That's all their choice. In the workplace, the intimate relationships, the romantic relationships, and even sometimes those roommate, close friend relationships can cause some issues, right? For example, conflict of interest. What if I'm a supervisor, Jasmine and I are having a relationship and I give her a promotion. And let's assume it's a very valid promotion. She worked very hard. She deserved that promotion. What's the perception gonna be? that Jasmine didn't earn the promotion, that she got the promotion because of our relationship. So anytime you're dealing with a conflict of interest, you always want to think about not only what is actually true, there was no conflict of interest in that scenario, and Jasmine deserves her promotion, and the perceptions that people may have about what is true. 
So Jasmine, what advice do you give clients in this area? Well, I think that a disclosure, a require disclosure to HR um, when the relationship comes up, um, especially when you were talking about supervisor level positions and executive level employees when they are involved in relationships with their subordinates. I think it's really important that HR is aware of, of what's happening. And then second, I think having some sort of agreement uh, between uh, the employees, it's called a love contract or consensual relationship agreement, because what we want to avoid is the consensual nature of the relationship being challenged in the future. So while the employees may be okay with an office romance at the moment, you never know if the subordinate employee is going to challenge that relation that relationship or whether say, oh, I was actually sexually harassed later on down the line. So these sort of love contracts or consensual agreements are meant to have something in writing uh, to protect the employer in case those types of allegations come up later about sexual harassment. Those are such good points. And the first one that you mentioned, Jasmine, about requiring disclosure, that's particularly important, right? Because if we know there's a relationship, and of course, remember that under California law, we can tell supervisors that they may not have a romantic relationship with a subordinate. If they continue the relationship, we will reassign one of them or one of them could lose their job. We're allowed to do that because of the uh, the actual and potential conflict of interest. So one of the things you can do is just say, look, you can't be in this relationship, right? But even for folks who are like roommates, you may want to know as an organization, look, these two people have a relatively close relationship. They're roommates. And even if they're not romantically involved, there may be a potential conflict of interest or at least a perception that comes up. You know, when we think about the word nepotism, that comes up a lot when we talk about relationships and favoritism and people getting sort of um, extra benefits because of a relationship they've had. Now, the love contract idea, I love, um, you know, we've talked a lot about love contracts over the years. And it's funny because you're 100% right. Great idea. If you have a relationship that is permitted by your policy in your organization. So let's say you have a supervisor and a subordinate, but they do not have a direct reporting relationship. You might decide that some sort of a love contract or consensual agreement is a good idea. Here is the downside. The downside is it's not difficult at all for someone to say, I wanted to save my job. So I signed the love contract or I signed the consensual relationship agreement. I didn't feel like it was consensual and I was very uncomfortable, but I signed it anyway because I didn't want to lose my job. So I want everybody to know that while a love contract or consensual agreement can be a good idea, you have to know what the limitations are and you have to be prepared as an organization to be able to say, listen, we have this document. We realize that you're now saying it wasn't valid, but let's go through everything we did to make you comfortable at the time, right? And this is where, where you'll often have a supervisor and a subordinate. They reveal the relationship. You then sever the reporting relationship, but you still have them do the consensual agreement or the love contract 
because you want to recognize that it's consensual. It's of their own free will, even though she's no longer or he's no longer reporting to their partner as a leader, right? And so it can be very helpful in that situation where the two individuals are still going to be working for the organization, but they're no longer going to be reporting to each other. So I love those ideas, Jasmine. You know, what's interesting to me, too, about the disclosure idea is social media, right? What, you know, a lot of times we didn't know in the olden days that these relationships were happening, right? We relied on somebody observing something or gossip, you know, that ended up having a kernel of truth. With social media, one of the things Jasmine and I find in our investigations is a lot of times these relationships are substantiated because somebody posted something on Facebook or they put something on Instagram. And I don't think people often realize what they're posting and what they're talking about on social media platforms can end up being really relevant to a workplace situation, right? Even though they didn't do it at work, they didn't post it at work or the event wasn't work related. So Jasmine, you know, one of the things that we have found with our clients is that they often think that what's posted on social media is secret. And I think you and I can both attest to the fact that that's not the case, right? Right. Absolutely. Especially um, as HR, if there's an investigation later on, the employee who made the social media post, they're not thinking about the implications and consequences that that has. It's so interesting because human nature, I think, is to think about what's going on in the moment and not necessarily to take a minute to think about how could this play out down the road. And certainly when we talk about relationships at work, there's this tension, right? Because we want people to get along. We want people to have close relationships. We want them to collaborate. We want them to be team players. But then we have to be careful that we're not creating that conflict of interest or implications for favoritism or nepotism. So, it, you know, it takes a lot of sort of strategy from an organizational perspective to encourage those positive relationships but also recognize when there may be a potential conflict that we need to do something about. So most employers don't want to have to have a conversation with two people who are having a relationship. They're thinking, well, gosh, it's not really my business. It's not really something I should be talking about. But as you mentioned, if you're in human resources or you're an employment lawyer giving advice, you have to be willing to explain the necessity of those conversations, right? 100%. I, I think as employers, there's no intention, right, to get involved with the employee's personal life. You don't want to go there. You don't want to make uh, employment policies, you know, dictating those types of intimate relationships. But as employers and HR professionals, you have to be thinking about when the employee's personal life is starting to get mixed up in work life and it's affecting the work environment. So I think it's really important that we are discussing um, those types of relationships and the impacts they have. That's such a good point about the spillover, Jasmine, because I, I think a lot of times when you fill out an employment application, there'll be a question, right? Do you know anybody who works here? How did you learn about us? Who referred you to us? And I think very often people are very 
honest and straightforward. You know, my boyfriend works here. My girlfriend um, used to work here and she told me this was a great place. Like, I feel like people are, are pretty honest. And then a lot of times the employer doesn't look at the answers to those questions, right? So they could have had the information from the very beginning of employment. They didn't because they didn't look, they asked the question, but they didn't read the answer to the question. So one of the things that I think is so important as we wrap up here is keeping in mind, number one, you should have a policy about these issues, right? What relationships are you going to try to regulate when it comes to workplace conduct? And a lot of times you shouldn't narrow it to just romantic relationships, right? Or intimate relationships, because sometimes a friendship or a roommate situation, for example, can have just as much potential for conflict. The second thing is, of course, requiring that disclosure up front, as Jasmine mentioned earlier, which is very important and something that you want to have sort of on autopilot so that you know that every time you hire someone, you're going through the same process. You certainly don't want to be creating a different or unique process because you think someone might be involved in a relationship with another person at work. Those love contracts or, um, consent agreements can also be helpful if you recognize the limitations. And, you know, I think the last thing here, Jasmine, is to understand that when our employees have relationships with others, a lot of times they are helpful, right? Employees feel connected to the workplace. They feel more collaborative. They feel more like a team. So I usually don't think it's a good idea to say, look, just because you're a supervisor, you can't date anyone in the workplace. You you could do that in the private sector. It would be a lot more difficult in the public sector because of the federal constitutional um, privacy rights. Um, but it's interesting, right? We need to think as employers about the strategy. You know what, Jasmine, we are out of time. This goes by so quickly. I want to thank you so much for joining me on the the podcast here today, and I hope you'll come back again. I will. It has been a pleasure. Thank you for having me, Jen. Happy holidays, everyone. If you enjoyed this episode and would like to spread the word, please share it with others, post about it on social media, and or rate and review it. Of course, you can also follow us on LinkedIn, Facebook, and Twitter, and email us at info at Workplace Wake Up, including its guests and hosts, do not provide legal advice in this podcast. Do not act upon any of the information discussed in this podcast without consulting a licensed attorney in your jurisdiction.